been doing <clears throat> a short series on the five attributes of a healthy church. The beginning of the year, thinking of health and thinking of getting back in trim. And uh, when we were coming over the bridge, my wife and I, there was a middle-aged gentleman in his shorts and T-shirt running. And I thought, I'll pray for you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, last week, we looked at uh, two things. We looked at worship as being the sign of a healthy church. We looked at fellowship, and we've heard from Ronnie and the, uh, their groups and their other groups, of course, here as well. Today, we're going to look at discipleship. The sign of a healthy church is discipleship. Our... Um, mission statement here is being shortened from what it used to be. It's now to love and serve people, enabling them to become wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's why we are here, to love and serve people and to enable them to become wholehearted followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there were different types of people that had a relationship with the Lord. First of all, there was the crowd. The, these were excited people that came to listen to his great sermons. They came to uh, be healed of their diseases. He fed them. Remember that he fed 5,000 at one time and then 4,000 at another time. And uh, they had come. The crowd were excited. But they could be fiddle. They could disappear as quickly as they came. And then um, the Lord had 70 or 72 disciples, depending on which version you read or which, how they um, translate the Greek word. He had 70 disciples, and they were part of the ministry of Jesus. And then, of course, he had the 12 that were specially trained by the Lord to take over after he had gone to heaven. And even among the 12, there was three, Peter, James, and John, that went with him on special occasions. And then there was John that leaned on his breast at supper time. So we're talking this morning about discipleship. Being a follower, being a learner, being a pupil, an apprentice, a growing Christian, growing spiritually in the Lord. <clears throat> now, when I was a small boy, five or six, I used to love the story of Peter Pan and Wendy. And I remember as a small boy standing on the upstairs, near the upstairs window, thinking maybe I could fly just like Peter did. Uh, I didn't try it. <laughs> but Peter Pan was the little boy who never grew up. He was always a little boy. And it's beautiful when little boys and little girls are little. But we want them to grow, don't we? We want us all to grow. Now, God inaugurated what we call a five-fold ministry to help God's people to grow. And I'm going to read for you today 
uh, from Ephesians chapter 4. I think it's from the, well, it is from the New Living Translation. I'm going to read it for you. <clears throat> now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in the faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So God gave these five-fold ministries to help people grow. <clears throat> now, there's been a bit of a um, dissension or complaint with pastors that the evangelist, he gets all the praise and the pastor gets all the problems. So I want to explain theologically the difference between an evangelist and a pastor. And the pastor and the evangelist went on holiday, on vacation, because it was in the wilds of Canada, to a log cabin in the wilds of Canada. The pastor thinks it's going to be marvelous. He's brought his Bible with him, one or two devotional books. He thinks, I'm out among nature, and I'm going to have time to read the Word and pray and meditate. The evangelist, after five minutes, is bored silly. He says, I'm going to go and catch me a bear. So off he goes. After a while, the pastor looks out of the window. He sees the evangelist running as fast as he could down the hill to the log cabin, chased by a large brown bear. The pastor thinks, I'll hold the door on the latch, and as soon as the evangelist gets in, I'll slam the door. Well, the evangelist is coming charging down toward the door. The pastor opens the door, but at the last minute, the evangelist dodges to the side, and it's the bear that finishes up <laughs> in the log cabin. The evangelist, the pastor closes the door, and then the evangelist shouts through the window, you look after him, I'll go get another one. <laughs> I'm 
sure it's a slight exaggeration. <laughs> Some things that we need that make us a disciple. First of all, being a disciple involves inspiration that leads to imitation. Seeing someone and something that inspires you. Now, I won't... I hope you don't think ill of me for this, but I was watching a program the other day on the London Ballet School. Men in tights. You know. <laughs> and uh, they were featuring um, a young lady uh, that uh, just as a small girl, uh, Francesca Hayward watched a performance of the Nutcracker Suite and as a small girl, she thought, that is what I want to be. She went through ballet lessons, ballet school. Eventually, she became the principal dancer at the Royal Ballet Company. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but she needed the inspiration to say, I want to be like that. In the children's song, the Jungle Book, I looked it up on Google. The monkey sings. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I'll wrap it, but oh, oh, we do. I want to be like you. I want to walk like you, talk like you too. You'll see it's true. An ape like me can learn to be human too. So he wanted to be like someone else. He was inspired. Now, when the disciples walked with Jesus, they saw something that absolutely blew their minds away. The blind received their sight. The deaf could hear. The blind could see. The dead were raised. This was a paradigm shift. This was something of, a, of another world to them, as well as the, the amazing messages. They listened to the sermons. They could have gone on for days and they wouldn't have bothered. They were so inspiring and so beautiful. And I think that each of these disciples thought, I want to be like you. And even when Jesus turned the, 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 the screw, as it were, a little bit with his teaching, he said to the crowds, except you eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of Man, you have no life in you, in one of his messages. Now, he, doesn't, he didn't mean like uh, some of our Roman Catholic friends, um, except that the, he, Jesus meant to eat his skin and bone. It was nothing like that, because... He explained what he meant by that. He said, the words I speak to you are spirit and they are life. So we eat the words of Jesus. That's what, that's what he meant. But the Bible says from that time forth, many of his disciples went back, walked no more with him. And then Jesus turned to the 12 and he said, will you also go? And Peter said, Lord, to whom else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. He had been inspired and he wanted to imitate. Suppose there's people in your life, as there have been people in mine, that have inspired you. I remember an old Pentecostal and my father uh, invited him to speak at our church in, in, in Blackburn in Lancashire. He's a fellow called... Joseph Smith, he said, he's an old Pentecostal and he's a good guy, he said to me. Well, Joseph Smith, he was a tall, 
fellow, and uh, he, he'd been in the early revivals and seen God move in, in, in mighty way. And he was Irish, had a, 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 a wonderful Irish wit. And I thought, Lord, I'd like to be like him. <laughs> there are people probably in your life and mine that we would like to emulate. And Jesus was there to inspire us to become like him. He was a a tremendous role model. Um, Secondly, um, being a disciple involves correction. Not only inspiration, but correction. Ecclesiastes says, Better is a poor and wise child than an old and foolish king who will no more be admonished. Um, And then another verse in Proverbs says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves and punishes everyone he accepts as a son or daughter. Endure hardness as discipline. God is treating you as sons. My wife said to me on one occasion, I feel God's been telling me off. I can understand why myself. (laughs) But we'll not go into that now. (laughs) I said, well, you should thank your lucky stars. (laughs) He's talking to you. Whom the Lord loves, he disciplines at times. Um, The proverb says, hear my son and receive my sayings that the years of your life will be many. I've taught you in the way of wisdom. I've led you in right paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered. When you run, you will not stumble. Take firm hold of instruction. Do not let her go. Keep her, for she is your life. If we're going to be a disciple, we, we will be corrected at times. I remember a dear brother when we were up in, in Beeston, and he had a wonderful prophetic ministry. It, when he was on song, it was as if the presence of the Lord, God was just speaking directly into your heart. He was, he was of the old school. It was these and thous and verilies and yeas. But don't get bothered by the language. Because it, it, it was the voice of, of God. <laughs> I remember, and just a little aside, I remember he, he, he belonged to a church in the city of Nottingham uh, for a while, and the pastor of, of a large assemblies of God there was a man called Ernie Shearman. And Ernie Shearman said, he said, one Sunday morning, he said, we'd just finished the service. There was an awesome sense of God's presence, right at the end, a silence, nobody moved. He said, then Bernard, this was the brother, he said, Bernard prophesied. And this was the prophecy. That which is in thine hand is mine, saith the Lord. (laughs) And if thou dost not give it me, I will kill thee, saith the Lord. (laughs) So so Ernest Shearman said, well, that was the end of the atmosphere. (laughs) But on the way out, this guy was so troubled, this other, uh, uh, shaking hands with people, he said, I've got to see you. He said, God spoke to me this morning. He said, what what was it? He said, that prophecy. (laughs) 
He said, I owe the Lord 700 pounds in back tithes. <laughs> so Ernest Shearman said, well, you better pay, haven't you? <laughs> but this brother Bernard, he had a lovely prophetic ministry, and he would often write to me prophetic messages, and they were usually spot on. He wrote to me one day, and I could not make head nor tail of this ear prophecy he was sending me. It was something about children. and I thought, I'll go around and see Bernard. So I went round to see him. I said, Bernard, what is this? Oh, pastor, he said, forget it. He said, I must have had too much cheese the night before. (laughs) (laughs) He could be corrected. He had a teachable spirit. Um, Sometimes we need corrected. Jesus sometimes rebuked his disciples. There's that beautiful phrase, isn't there, when we dedicate children. And in the old Bible, it goes like this. Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of heaven. You might have that verse in your living room or somewhere. And it sounds very beautiful and very gentle and very poetic. But Jesus was hopping mad at the disciples. Don't stop the children coming to me, he said. The kingdom of heaven belongs to them. And they would often be in debate of who was the greatest. Is it Peter? Is it John? Is it Bartholomew? You never. They were all vying for top positions. And he rebuked them. He corrected them. If you and I are going to be um, followers of disciples from time to time, we will need a little correction. Thirdly, uh, being the disciple involves, it's a politically incorrect word now, involves submission. Yes, hold on to your hats. It said of the Lord, he learned obedience by the things that he suffered. Jesus learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And there in the garden of Gethsemane, as he's praying, and the horror of Calvary is coming over him, the horror of being rejected by his people, the horror of the physical sufferings of being whipped to an inch of his life and having to go up that little hill to Calvary, and there his hands were going to be nailed to the cross, and Jesus prayed to his Father. He said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Then he said, nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Thy will be done. He learned obedience by the things that he suffered. Who should we submit to? Well, the book of James says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We submit to God. We submit to his will, his word, and his ways. We're also to submit to the government. As long as the government is not uh, um, violating God's laws... We are to submit to the government who is in charge at the moment, or or whichever country we live in. This is what Romans 13 says. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. 
and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers <coughs> hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. <coughs> so we submit to the, uh, the government. Also, we are encouraged in the Bible to submit to committed workers, Christian workers. In Corinthians 16, it says, You know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, and they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. I urge you, brothers, to submit to such as these and to everyone who joins in the work and labors at it. So these were good people. They were workers for the Lord. They were keen to see the kingdom of God come. They were doing their level best to, to reach out and see folks find Christ <clears throat> and, and the, the, all, the whole work of the ministry. And the apostle, he said, these are good people. Now you need to submit to them. <clears throat> and then in Hebrews 13, we are told to submit to church leaders. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy and not a burden. For that would be of no advantage to you. So obey the leaders of the church. Now, <clears throat> um, if you don't trust your leaders... <laughs> Find some leaders you do trust. <laughs> what you see here is what you get. And uh, we, 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 uh, we're not perfect. Well, well <clears throat> I say we're not perfect. <laughs> Maybe one of us is, but... <clears throat> the, <laughs> but we, we do our level best to teach you the ways of the Lord, to guide you in the right ways. And the Bible says... Uh, you know, to, to obey your leaders. I remember many years ago when um, I first felt the call, I didn't want to be a pastor. <clears throat> Some of you might be thinking you should have stuck to that. <coughs> I, I didn't, I didn't want to be a pastor, but I felt God was calling me into. Jean and I were engaged at the time. We were going to get married. And uh, so we, we, we prayed about it and, and decided that we would put off our wedding and, and, until I'd finished the Bible school. Now, in those days, we had two years in the Bible college and then three years probation. So at that time, you got to write theses and stuff, and you had to, what they call, prove your ministry to see if you, you were doing okay. <clears throat> so we'd agreed that we would put off our wedding to, for a couple of years. Now, when I got to the Bible college, I discovered that they had something that was called a five-year rule, that you couldn't get married for five years without the permission of the executive council, our ruling body. I thought, goodness me, I better apply. I applied, they turned us down. No, we can't get married. I mean, the people coming in now, the pastors coming in now, they don't know they're born. They have it easy. What we had. <laughs> I applied. Well, I, they turned us down twice. Uh, and I thought then, I submitted to that. Now, there were some in our year in Bible college 
that went out single after the term, uh, the, the summer term, and came back married. They said, Sam Fairy am to you, you know. Uh, but we didn't. We, we waited, and then eventually we got permission. And it was just over two years anyway, in the end, wasn't it? And I thought, well, if from time to time I ask people to submit to my guidance, I must submit to other people's guidance over my life as well. <clears throat> Amen. Nearly finished. <clears throat> submit to each other. Ephesians said, submit to each other out of reverence for Christ. Be a deferring after you. Be that kind of a person. Um, so being a disciple involves, uh, first of all, a hunger for God. In the book of Peter, it says, like newborn babies crave spiritual, the pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Have a hunger for God. A desire for more of the Lord. Be at everything. It says in the Proverbs, the full soul loatheth even the honeycomb, but to the hungry, every bit of thing is sweet. And uh, when we are hungry for God, just a little bit more. I remember when, uh, in, in, when I was younger and seeking the, the Lord more, and um, we had a, a, a Bible study on a Wednesday. My wife's um, church was in Assemblies of God, <clears throat> and they had a Bible study on a Tuesday night. Then at our church, we had a Bible study and prayer meeting on a Wednesday night, and then they had a separate prayer meeting on a Thursday night. It was never well attended, but I remember one dark December day running to the prayer meeting. And then, I don't know whether you're like me or not, but I kind of got a, a look at myself, what I was doing. I thought, I'm running to a prayer meeting. It's a dark, cold night, and I just want to be there. <laughs> because some of those old guys and gals, they had something of heaven in them. <laughs> I remember this old lady, uh, she, Mrs. Horton, she was called, wasn't she? And she, she was a retired postmistress, bun at the back of the hair, you know, prim and proper. But when she was filled with the Spirit, brother, <laughs> she could read notes that's not even on the piano. <clears throat> I remember one occasion, she got up and started doing a Jericho march. We followed her like little ducks all the way around. <laughs> the glory of God. And I remember an old brother, he's long gone to glory now. He said to me, David, he said, it's, it's grand at side of fire, isn't it? I don't think you can understand that. <laughs> it's good at side of the fire. <laughs> Praise God. A hunger for God. Let's be hungry for God to grow as believers. <clears throat> Being a disciple involves adding to your faith. Now, if I could describe salvation like opening a bank account. You open a bank account, you've been accepted. And, and we've come to Christ. We've had our sins forgiven. Our name has been written in heaven. And we are accepted in Christ. Now, if you open a bank account, you've got to put something in. And so, the, the book of Peter, chapter 1 and verse 5, says this. It says, add to your faith goodness. Now you're in. Now you're in the kingdom. Now you're saved. Now you belong to Christ. Now you've got to add to your faith. Add to your faith goodness. 
and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance. That's keeping going. From perseverance, add godliness. That's to be like God. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. Have you been adding a bit of brotherly kindness recently to your faith? And to brotherly kindness, love. Because he says, excuse me, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they, these qualities, will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what have we got in the bank? <laughs> have you just got a couple of quid in there? Or is your life full of goodness and perseverance and self-control and love and kindness? Let's be people that have a, a, a very strong bank account. I'm not talking about the one down at the NH, HSBC. I'm talking about the bank of of heaven, hallelujah. Let's be people who are full of goodness, full of the, the, the fruits and gifts of the, of the Spirit. <clears throat> How do you know when you're growing as a, as a disciple? Well, I think there is a desire for change. We don't want to be like this all the time. We want to change. I'm dissatisfied with the way things are at the moment. Now, children, when they start growing, they start doing things on their own, don't they? They start crawling, crawling about. And then they, they, they start talking. Usually it's dad, 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 much to the annoyance of mum, mum, mum. <laughs> they they want to start going. Then they want to they feed themselves. You know, you fed them. We've had lots of experience of this, you know. Here's the aeroplane coming down now. <laughs> then they move at the last minute and you hit their cheek. <laughs> and, uh, but they, they, they don't want you to feed them anymore. They want to feed themselves. Of course, they get it all over everywhere. But they want to feed themselves. Be a self-feeder. Have you been, been self-feeding? I've been self-feeding this morning on the Word of God. Now... Uh, it doesn't matter whether you're of the modern type that have uh, it on your smartphone or, or whatever, but be a self-feeder. Feed on the Word of God, even if it's just a couple of verses, for goodness sake. Be a self-feeder. Don't rely too much on the Word for today. It's good now and again, but don't rely on these aids. Don't over-rely on the Sunday meetings. I think the pandemic has taught us that some of us were a bit too dependent on the Sunday meetings. We need to be feeding ourselves on the Word of God <laughs> that you may grow thereby. Secondly or thirdly, I, I'm, I'm losing track here. <clears throat> Allow the Holy Spirit to deal with your insecurities. Most conflicts arise from feelings of being threatened in some way. We say, I'm entitled to more respect, more recognition, more time. Let the Holy Spirit deal with things like that. Pray the prayer that the psalmist prayed. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there is any offensive way in me. 
and lead me in the way everlasting. And then being a disciple is learning from life. The Apostle Paul said, I have learned in whatever state I am, therewith to be content. We sang a song this morning, all my life you have been faithful. God has seen us through and God will continue to see us through. Our mission statement, to love and serve the people, enabling them to become wholehearted followers of Christ. Signs of a healthy church is we're a wholehearted followers of Christ. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. All right. <laughs> we're going to take the offering. I forgot last week. We're going to take the offering. I'm going to pray over the offering. And then Nathan and the band are going to come back and, and do a reflective song for us. And I want to say to you, you at home as well, and those here, if this morning, this whole thing about being a disciple, being a follower, being a learner, being an apprentice, something that has come from the Word of God, that, 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 that you're saying to the Lord, Lord, I want to be a f more of a closer follower of you. Or if you need prayer for some sickness or whatever, I'm going to invite you as we sing, as we, we're going to take the offering first, then, then as we sing, if you would like to come forward for prayer, we will stand with you. And You could make this moment the moment of dedication. Lord, Lord, I'm going to follow you more nearly than I've done before. I want to be a follower. I don't want to just be part of the crowd that is cheering one day and deserting the next. I want to be a follower of Jesus, a wholehearted follower of Christ that brings health to myself and to my Christian community. Hallelujah.